0: Blog Talk Radio. Review Club. I'm Robert Winfrey and tonight we're going to be reviewing London Has Fallen. London Bridge is falling
1: down, falling down,
0: falling down.
1: London Bridge is falling down.
0: I'm more surprised that I didn't see that coming than anything. <laughs> Uh anyway, that's Mark Radlett. She's here with me. Uh, I was not here last week when we did have a movie to review, so nearly plug, Mark got together with Pat Mullen and they reviewed Fuller House. I mean, you know personally, I'd rather vomit than watch it, but that's just me And we're back tonight. We're back together again. Mark, how are you doing this evening?
1: Together again, and it's good to be, and when, when, when together... Wow, I really don't remember the, the lines of that song. Hi, I'm good. Oh, that's good <laughs> I, to know. I learned something t- today, by the way. All right. I learned something. Uh, I... And I, apparently I knew this once upon a time, but, if you know, with knowledge, if you don't use it, you will lose it. And I lost the knowledge for a little while, and I regained it today. Apparently, Tom Selleck's Burt Reynolds, not the same person.
0: Yeah, uh, real quick on that because this movie's <laughs> this movie's not going to take long to review. But one of the group chats that we share. Wait,
1: wait a second. Wait a second. We say that every week. We say that every week, and then and then we end up going almost a full two hours.
0: Yeah, but about things that are only tangentially related to the movie. Um, Fair enough. Uh, there's a group chat that we share, and one of the guys in it is going to meet Burt Reynolds at a one of the Comic Cons on the East Coast. Mark wanted him to wear a Hawaiian shirt, and none of us bothered to correct. We thought Mark <laughs> knew that he was making a mistake with the Tom Selleck or Burt Reynolds thing. And no, no, he wasn't.
1: Nope, three or four uh, comments. Three or four comments later, and finally the person who's going to the comic convention to see Burt Reynolds finally says, I'm getting angry. Stop it. And that's when I suddenly realized, oh, wait a minute. Burt Reynolds wasn't Magnum P.I. That was Tom Selleck. Yeah,
0: they're both manly men. They both have mustaches. I can see where you'd be confused.
1: I was right with the Cannonball Run, though. I, I knew You know, that I've when- never seen Cannonball Run. Uh, really? Oh, it's a classic. It's a great movie. Um, people say one, that it's
0: one of those films that I'm worried if I watch it now I'm just going to be like what are you people smoking when you watch this?
1: Well that's that's part of the that's part of it right there. Um, Dom DeLuise at one point runs around and like with a as a costumed uh, superhero, uh, um, whose name right. I don't recall, but he keeps referring to him as him. Um, and there's a monkey and there's a monkey driving a limo with Tom, with Tom Dan uh, with Tony Dan's in the backseat.
0: Alright, that makes about as much sense as Clint Eastwood being paired with an orangutan, but that worked out pretty well for all involved. Yes, uh,
1: you, if, if you should actually watch just the cannonball run to two-seat Tony Dans in the backseat of a limo being driven by a monkey. Or chimpanzee. Uh, I mean, right species. Okay. <laughs> no,
0: Alright. <laughs> oh, Everybody, there's A couple of things you're going to hear me say more than once tonight while reviewing this movie. Shots. One is bad CGI. Wait, Wait, it's not shots?
1: You're not not going to yell at
0: shots? And that doesn't work that way. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus.
1: Can't you just? You know, you're turning into my dad. You and my dad should go bowling. You're both get. You're both losing your ability to turn your brain off and just enjoy the nonsense. In I front of you.
0: never had the ability to turn my brain off. It happens to keep me breathing.
1: No, you don't. Look, I've gone many, many years and I've had no brain. Okay, and I and it worked out for me just fine.
0: Yeah, sure. You only, you know, work for the county in Florida. Have a divorce under your belt. You're you're just adding fuel
1: to that argument, by the way Um, And I don't work for a county I work for a private company that's contracted
0: with the county sheriff's office Thank you very much Fair enough My apologies, you're a subcontractor
1: That's right Um, In any case, I've managed many, many years By being able to turn my brain off at will And it has served me well It has granted me the kind of happiness that eludes most men And so that is the secret of happiness, folks being able to turn your brain off. Most people will do it with drugs. I can do it at will.
0: Let me say this. Even the movies that I have the ability to, and much as I hate that phrase in a lot of ways, I really do turn your brain off. Much as I think there are movies that I watch that I can do that with, I can enjoy them on a different level than necessarily the intellectual. Even with that in mind, I think there are parts of this movie that would make me bang my head on a desk. (laughs)
1: I tell you what, I enjoyed this movie more than I
0: had any right to. Um, I'm with you there. Uh, I'll be perfectly upfront about that. I went into this movie expecting it to be one of those that we got on here to review and just, this is awful. And to be perfectly honest, not awful. It's on the passable side. I wouldn't say good necessarily, but it's certainly passable.
1: You know... For, for me, I went into it thinking it was going to be a chore um, because I, I tried to watch Olympus Has Fallen before I saw this because, I don't know.
0: Hey, I, Olympus I Has Fallen is legitimately enjoyable.
1: I thought I'd be confused by the plot of didn't see the first one. Whoa, oh, boy, boy wrong.
0: how wrong you were.
1: <laughs> um, but I got about 10 to 15 minutes into Olympus Has Fallen, fell asleep, and decided I didn't need to see it anymore. I'm, Figured I could follow the arc of the characters just fine uh, without having seen Olympus Has Fallen,
0: you know. Uh, and predominantly I, I because they abandon most of those character arcs for the sake of this movie, which annoys me a tad.
1: But I went into it thinking, "Oh, this is going to be overthought," and I really, like I said, I didn't know anything about it. I just, I just know that a lot of action movies these days um, tend to t- tend to not be in on the joke. They tend to take themselves way too seriously, and you know it's like if you when you go see a movie like 2000, I was a 2012 or Volcano or uh, you know the, any one of these disaster porn movies, or you go to see now now and, and I'm going to say go to see a shoot 'em up, and and quite frankly the art of the of the pointless silly shoot 'em up seems to have been lost along the way. Um, but anytime you see one of these movies, like on cable or TNT, you know, TNT for, you know, movies for guys who like movies, um, you, you're you going to watch people be shot. Okay? <laughs> that is the reason why you want to see the Superman shoot up a bunch of bad guys. You know, if it was in the 80s, you want to see, see him shoot a bunch of Russians, a bunch of commies, maybe even some South Americans, depending on where in the Reagan years we were. Um, you know, when it comes to disaster porn, why are we going to see these movies if not to see an entire city or even the planet to get destroyed? That's the fun of it. So, you know, it, it, you go in and, you, and some of these movies get it right. Ten minutes of setup, just enough character exposition to, you know, so that you know who you're cheering for to survive or rooting to, rooting to die, as, as it were. And then, boom, you're right into the action. And that's it. That's the movie. And I was afraid that London Has Fallen wasn't going to be that. I was afraid it was going to take forever to get into it and that it was going to be some sort of a think piece. And boy, was I wrong. Thankfully, I was wrong. This non—I have been calling it all uh, since I saw the movie. It's Disaster—it's the love child of disaster porn in the movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Alyssa Milano. If you don't remember that movie, good. (laughs) <laughs> if you if you don't remember that, well, <laughs> um you know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger running through uh you know running through somewhere shooting bad guys oh, he saving takes people. A whole army. what was that?
0: He takes out he a takes whole out army I whole love army. commando
1: okay um i oh so do I. the commando's great, but that's basically the premise of the movie it's it's uh, i think it's terrorist kidnap his daughter. And then he, you know, fights an army, or, or this army kidnaps it all or whatever it is. It somewhere in South Would America. You like, Would you like?
0: Tell, what, tell you what, I will do what, I a brief plot synopsis of, 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 Commando of Commando before I do before. my patented one of London has fallen. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. But pitch back to me so that I can finish what I was saying. Go ahead.
0: All right, in Commando, John—excuse uh, me—Arnold Schwarzenegger plays retired special ops, Commando John Matrix. Don't ask me why I remember sure. the man's name, but I do. That's an awesome name. It is. His daughter is kidnapped by a South American drug lord so that he can blackmail Matrix into killing the president of that country so that he can then run unopposed and the government will become more friendly to his illegal trafficking and whatnot. Arnold Schwarzenegger takes as kindly to his daughter being abducted about as much as Liam Neeson does. Uh, (laughs) he's, He's just not having it. Uh, he uh, – most of the action takes place within a brief window of time when he is able to – when he is supposed to be on a flight to the country where he's you know supposed to be going. He escapes the plane, stops uh, the guy who was supposed to make sure he took off from calling in on a payphone because it was the 80s. Cell phones were not a thing. Uh, again murder mayhem ensue. the guy's on his own private island off the coast of California he presses a flight stewardess who's trying to be a pilot into help him getting and help him getting there he raids a a gun store which has an illegal cache of weapons in the back because apparently they all do and proceeds to basically blow up the island uh, yeah it, it's great it's <laughs> it is the pinnacle of the 80s over the tops Stupidity action movie. It is glorious in that respect. It really is.
1: It it is it is quite frankly the archetype of the pointless silly shoot 'em up.
0: Yeah, you you can't do better than Commando when it comes to that. So that's my so
1: that's where I was going with this, is that basically you have the same thing here, only replace the Ubermensch, the Superman, in Arnold Schwarzenegger with a guy that looks like my dad minus the potbelly. Okay? And, you know, and t- and take out the hot Alyssa, teenage Alyssa
0: Milano, and replace she's not even a teenager. Mark, you're you, you're sickening me a little bit there.
1: No, she was a, she was how wait how long long did it take before this? And who's the boss?
0: Uh, I don't know, but no, she's not. A, she's like eight or ten in this movie.
1: Oh, I thought she was older. I
0: apologize. Nah,
1: don't. Um. Anyway, so you have apparently elementary school age Alyssa Milano. Trade her out for middle-aged Aaron Eckhart, and it's basically the same movie. Um, you know, one lone man takes on an army full of people with guns. Uh, you know, to save to to, to save his best pal. <laughs> that's it. That's London well, has.
0: It, may it, you bring it, up an. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to synopsis after that. I will very briefly, and then I want to get into an interesting kind of discussion about that. So remind me, that's where we. Or if I forget. But okay. the brief synopsis for London has fallen. We pick up the characters that were in Olympus has fallen. Aaron Eckhart is the president. Morgan Freeman is the vice president. Gerard Butler is the Secret Service agent who, you know, is also like a former Navy SEAL. And all the. again, he is our action hero in this instance, so he can do pretty much anything. Uh, they wind up taking a last-minute trip to London after the British prime minister dies. It uh, turns out to be an elaborate trap planned by an international arms dealer whose family who – part of his family was killed when the United States government drone attacked uh, a wedding he was at, which God, I am so I, – no, I, I can't dovetail into that because it's not relevant to the discussion. Uh, parts of the city blow up badly. Uh, look, look, my only complaints about the bad CGI are when they're used. Uh, there's a whole bridge collapse that is just awful. Just that was awful. awesome. Shut up. The bridge no, collapsing is great. The bridge collapsing was piss poor. With the bolts
1: flying off and it's twisting and everything's falling into and the water. And look,
0: I can see the frame rate, Mark, for crying out loud.
1: Was you boom in the blast. frame rate. Everyone died.
0: It was fantastic. I appreciate mass casualties as much, if not more, so than the next guy. I just want them to not look stupid. Didn't bother me. I know you bad CGI couldn't possibly bother you. You watch Sharknado and think it's realistic. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a bridge too far.
1: And speaking of bridges, did you see the bridge in this one? It was testing, and the bolts were flying off of it. Oh, it looked so cool.
0: It looked worse than the Chrysler building collapse in the beginning of Armageddon. I don't remember that.
1: But it wasn't Congo bad. It wasn't Congo bad, and it wasn't Phantom Menace bad, so therefore it did not register.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Your threshold is very different from mine. I'm aware of this. We've established that on this show many times. Uh, Anyway, there are only two world leaders who are not destroyed in this, who are not killed in this attack. We lose the French, the Japanese, the Italian, the German, the Canadians. They they all their leaders all bite the dust. Uh, Because Aaron Eckhart has Gerard Butler with him, he escapes the initial attack. They try to fly out on a helicopter. It's then shot down, and we then get. Gerard Butler trying to keep Aaron Eckhart alive with numerous profanities that are not necessary to the film that that bothered me just a little bit. <laughs> Look, I'm I, I'm not sensitive when it comes to profanity. I just think it has to service the greater narrative. And if you're just throwing it in there to throw it in there, it's poor writing. And that's how I felt about most of it in this case. It
1: almost came across like, well, we well, we got the R, we might as well use it.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how it felt, and that's not how it should feel. Uh, Anyway, the terrorists eventually capture Aaron Eckhart when they try to make a run for the embassy. Gerard Butler becomes very angry at this, Uh, hooks up with a bunch of, I believe, British SAS officers. They mount an attack on the terrorist stronghold. They reclaim the president. They kill all the bad guys in a glorious explosion. And then the mastermind, who is actually in Yemen, is... Is hit by an airstrike and we all go back to living happily ever after
1: (laughs) so what I was saying before was that this movie is fully aware of what it is and what it is not and embraces it wholeheartedly it doesn't overthink anything it's the right length it takes the right amount of time to get to the boom bang kaboom Um, you know and and Gerard Butler, you know, your your middle aged dad of a of a Superman is exactly what he needs to be in this thing. In a lot of ways, you know in a lot of ways, structurally, it was a perfect movie. Um not believable in any way, shape, or form, but it was but it's not a documentary either. It it's a movie about uh a man saving uh saving his true love from danger. And
0: that <laughs> that's what he does. There's not a lot of character depth here. And there which is one of the things that bothered me a little bit about this movie. I mean, and now bear in mind, I am aware that the, again, a shoot 'em up movie doesn't need great character depth. But since I have to, my point of comparison with this is actually the one that came before it, Olympus Has Fallen. And in that movie, which is really the best Die Hard movie of the last 20 years.
1: I'm so sick of that phrase. You know, there were action movies before Die Hard, right?
0: No, I say that because it follows the structure of Die Hard, not because Die is the only action movie. The whole plot of Olympus Has Fallen, which, since you fell asleep, is <laughs> terrorists take over the White House, and Gerard Butler manages to get in before they lock everything down, so he is the lone good guy in the White House as the terrorists attempt to blow up America by detonating all of our nuclear warheads while they're still in their silos.
1: I want to go back and watch like the '80s Stallone and Schwarzenegger shoot 'em ups, and you know the Clint Eastwood shoot 'em ups, and whatever. And I want to know how many and how many of these were they not the lone person in a situation before Die Hard?
0: Well, again, the other reason I reference Die Hard in that instance is because it's a confined location. They're well, in I'm, the I'm White not, House.
1: I'm not picking on you real, as such. It's just I'm just you know with all the other podcasts that I listen to that they talk about movies. And the whole concept of, oh, it's Die Hard into this and Die Hard into that, to the point where that gets used as criticism, gets used as a knock against a lot of movies. Like, oh, this is di- this is just Die Hard on a bus, speed. This is, this is Die Hard into that. Anyway, die into that. And I'm like, okay, Which is but- not all-
0: I mean, it's not always accurate, and it's a bit of a lazy critique. Again, I reference it in respect to Olympus' has Fallen because I but, felt that's what they that's were what going for.
1: But that's why I'm bringing it up, because I think that it gets overused
0: it does you
1: know, it gets overused and it gets misapplied and it frustrates me because it's like okay well if you're going to continually say oh that's just die hard on a thing then maybe let's just not have action movies anymore let's not do action movies let's not do the traditional shoot 'em up because you know people keep criticizing and saying oh that's just die hard all over again which even die hard wasn't necessarily a shoot 'em up
0: no it's not in the not in the same way this is I, again I categorize Die Hard differently than Commando. I mean, again, they're both action movies, sure, but I would not... Like, with this one. This is not. This movie is nothing like Die Hard. If you see a review out there where someone said, this is just Die Hard in London, I want you to drive to where that person lives and smack them. Because that's lazy.
1: That's one of the rotten reviews, by the way.
0: Oh, for the love of... <laughs> Humanity? Really?
1: Yep, hang on, since you brought it up. You have
0: become that lazy.
1: Hang on, since you brought it up, we're going to take a hard left here. John Rico from About.com says, London has fallen is simply the latest in the tradition of diehard in an
0: ampersand films. You are so stupid. Because I said ampersand? No, the guy who wrote it, I know what you meant. (laughs)
1: It's Die Hard set in London, and that's it. The film doesn't have much
0: else. Okay, let's ignore for just a minute the fact that part of the reason Die Hard works as a movie is the claustrophobic location in a single building. Right. Uh, By its very definition, expanding that beyond a building renders the comparison obsolete and inaccurate, you miserable hack.
1: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, not
0: a legitimate criticism. You show you have known you know nothing. You're a, if
1: you ever wonder why I continue to do this podcast with Mr. Winfrey? It's because I do so ever enjoy I do so ever enjoy tweaking his nipples.
0: It's just not a valid criticism. It's phrased improperly. It's it, there's nothing there. All you've done is roll down your mental window and hung your bare flabby ass out of it to display to the world what an intellectual midget you are.
1: <laughs> that's John Rico of about.com, everybody. Robert Winfrey says he's a mental <sighs> midget.
0: If that's anyway. your comparison, if that is, if, oh, it's just die hard in London. No!
1: <laughs> you sir! Well, that's exactly why I'm frustrated and, and why you know all of these reviews... Like I get the reviews of oh oh this is this is anti-islam this is this is overly jingoistic. Okay,
0: I understand. No, okay,
1: both. yeah, I'll give you
0: I'll give you this one is a tad overly jingoistic. Oh, it, it's um, gloriously oh, it's gloriously jingoistic. No, so no, no, no. I actually hang on. I actually think Olympus has Fallen did a better job of being jingoistic without being overbearing. But I
1: want overbearing. I want people marching, you know, decked out, looking like Kurt Angle and Ken Patera. No one's going to get that second reference.
0: Um, I, I, people, I get it.
1: I want people draping the American flag, running around with guns painted red, white, and blue, shooting everybody yelling, die, commie, fag, Islamic, whatever. I actually want the phrase whatever at the end of it. Okay? So it's like, you know, red flag with gonzo on it. Great muscle paper fans will get that joke. Um, Uh, (laughs) That's that's what I want. I want. I know.
0: And again, this is one of the things that I appreciated about the first about Olympus Has Fallen. There's going to be a lot of compare and contrast here from me, because I've seen both, and Olympus Has Fallen is a much better movie.
1: (laughs) I I want nonsense. I. This is look, let me get this out, okay? All right. Because I feel like I've been trying to get this out for the last 10 minutes and and we keep kind of dancing around it. This movie was exactly what I miss about the 80s nonsense shoot-em-ups. It was gloriously jingoistic. It was so pro-America as to be offensive to anybody not born in this country and some who are. It was ridiculously over the top. And the only thing missing from it was Gerard Butler at some point should have taken his shirt and vest off and ran around in in great Ripley muscles. And I'm not a homosexual, but I miss that sort of thing. I miss Sylvester Stallone and his Ripley muscles running around
0: Vietnam,
1: shooting an entire
0: army with one gun. One. Okay? I miss Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remind me one of these days to explain to you how what Rambo does in Rambo 2 is actually feasible.
1: Sure. I think you actually did in one. Time, I will yeah. kill
0: your enjoyment of it being stupid by explaining to you step by step why it isn't.
1: And I'll still enjoy it.
0: It's So sorry.
1: There's nothing better than Stallone doing that retard Burr! yell while firing off a machine gun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I miss Schwarzenegger running around doing it. You know, I I miss the old, you know, just that whole concept of movies for guys who like movies. And it's just some white guy, some Anglo-Saxon-American, running around shooting. I know Schwarzenegger's not actually an American, or at least wasn't born here. But my point being, you know, the 80s superhero action star running around shooting the enemy. And that's what this was. And it brought me back to a time that I miss, And that's why I enjoyed the movie so much. I I, I enjoyed it despite myself. I was actually jealous of all the families who, I don't know why they were out at 9 o'clock at night, but, you know, in Plant City. But they were, and they were all seeing Zootopia. And I was like, huh, I wish I was seeing Zootopia. And by the time I was finished with London has fallen, I didn't care anymore. I'm like, that movie was so dumb. <laughs> it was so silly. But I had such a great time. And, you know, and, and that's what it was. It's, it's just, a, it's a 90-minute great time of, uh, of, you know, a lone hero running around shooting stuff, saving the
0: man he loves, Aaron Eckhart. I would give you it's about a twenty minute great time, personally. Oh, Only twenty minutes. Yeah, I again. When I talk about some of these things in greater detail, I will explain my gripes.
1: Okay, but do you get where I'm coming from? Like I this do. was a, this was a nostalgia trip for me without actually being nostalgic. Uh, um, it
0: was not one? a. No, it was a nostalgia trip, but it was set contemporarily you weren't actually viewing the object of your nostalgia it was something that simply made you nostalgic but I don't even think they meant it to be like a throwback
1: to to, to that era of movies either I think the filmmakers actually thought they were making a contemporary film and they weren't they were, they were making an 80s action flick with 2016 uh, tropes and, and um, iconography and that's fine but I uh, the whole time I just kept thinking oh wow this is commando and I love it it's so good um I mean and, and and like I said it's no way believable but none of them were none of those movies were in any way realistic so but who cares all right so I I now I've gushed about this movie enough to so though so people understand structurally it's fine the beats are set up where they should be um you know, it's basically one series of action set pieces after another, but it but they're different enough so that there isn't the kind of redundancy and boredom you get in a George Lucas film. Um, you know, they actually build towards something, and even even the end set piece is almost understated. So where you know, so it doesn't build to this you know huge Michael Bay Transformer sort of
0: crescendo.
1: Where it's so big and it's so powerful, you're just like, oh, I can't even wrap my head around this
0: anymore. And it anymore. takes Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox 30 minutes to jog the 10 yards necessary oh. to return the matrix of leadership type thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. It's, you know, it's. Yeah, I hate they, that closing sequence so much. They
1: ran through the set piece quickly enough where it was so fun and enjoyable. And when it was over and they'd fall on the elevator shaft, you know, you're know, like, oh, okay, it's over now. And that, but that was great. You know, we had our, we had our, you know, chase, we had our final chase, we had our you know, our fight scene, we had an explosion, they pulled them out of the dust, the movie's over. Perfect. And it's so weird because it's it, it, it's a weird thing to say that a movie that's so dumb <laughs> is also so perfect.
0: Okay. Now, Commando's one of the few like, truly perfect movies. Mm-hmm. And but, it's, you, know, uh, I mean, you get it's where i mean from, dumb. right? You get where I'm I coming do. from? Okay.
1: So that's really all I wanted to say about it. Um, as far, I mean, there's really no point in talking about characters. There aren't any. Morgan no. is a lot. <laughs> so, you know,
0: Morgan uh, Freeman and again, this this is one of uh, my gripe about that is, and part of this, I think, is the direction in this movie is in many ways inferior to Olympus has fallen. And part mm. of that has to do with the character arcs. Olympus has fallen actually sets up the characters, gives them a bit of, uh, I mean, again, it's well aware it's an action movie, so we're not talking Shakespearean levels of depth here. <laughs> but there are relationships established. There's a reason for you know, the guys. Ha- they have a bit of an arc to them. There's a reason for what they why they do what they do. And I, beyond just hey, I have to kill things. And I appreciated that in this one. I think. They absolutely abandoned the ability to make the characters relatable, or you know, on any level. I don't think that's
1: true. I think Gerard Butler's character is relatable in that, in that he's a dog. He's a very loyal dog, and he's trying to save his master.
0: Uh, okay.
1: So picture a golden retriever with a machine gun, and that's Gerard Butler's character.
0: Well, it also has your your golden retriever also has to have a spotty accent.
1: <laughs> okay, you want to pick a different breed of dog here?
0: No, no, my point. No, my point there is that Gerard Butler struggles with his American accent in this movie at times. Uh, who who I, doesn't struggle with an accent every once in a while?
1: You know, in a No, major this
0: isn't as this isn't as bad as say Michael Fossbender in X Men First Class or.
1: How about Charlie Hunnam
0: in uh, Pacific Rim. How
1: about what's-his-face in Maleficent?
0: Uh, the odd thing there is <laughs> that Charlito Copley doesn't even go into his normal speaking voice. He doesn't – because he's South African. He has a South African accent. For some mm-hmm. reason, he goes Scottish randomly. Yeah, Gerard, I remember. Butler at least, Gerard Butler is Scottish. Oh,
1: is he?
0: so i can hear and i can hear when he when his accent slips a little bit here and there and it's not the biggest complaint i have about this movie okay. it's just I've, something i noticed
1: i've gushed now for the better part of, of 20 minutes i finally got that all out of my system i don't have a whole lot else to say you however have a litany of complaints
0: go i don't have a litany i really i i expected to have more complaints than i did by the end of it my biggest complaint Apart from the bad CGI,
1: which... Uh, ants uh, at a picnic. Ants at a picnic.
0: I'm not entirely sure why you decided that was the appropriate reference to use there, but okay.
1: Because you are ants at a picnic. You are constantly
0: complaining about CGI. Who cares? I do when it takes me out of the movie.
1: Oh, everything takes you out of the movie.
0: Go on. Not everything takes me out of a movie. Bad CGI does, and it's the it will do it faster than anything. Apart from maybe this. Uh, okay, real quick background, so that you all understand. So that if anyone out there, ah, uh, God, I, I wish to explain why this bothers me, and it may not bother you.
1: Hang on, let me set this up for everybody. This is what is now know- what is now known as the Mr. Wizard portion of our show where Robert Winfrey explains how things in the movies uh don't uh, things of the movies that are supposed to uh emulate something in real life don't really work that
0: way uh th- no actually the physics in this movie were surprisingly accurate all things considered
1: no you're you're about to complain about the security
0: so go ahead yes real briefly so y- part of the reason you might, you all might understand why I feel this way and why I have the knowledge that I do. Uh, my grandfather who passed away last year was a member of the California highway patrol for 30 years. The last bit of that, and I forget how exactly how many years it was, uh, forgive me for that, but he spent the last bit of it in protective services. You see your, uh, a lot of your state representatives your state government figures especially uh you know the governor the lieutenant governor they're protected by the highway patrol generally that's the detail assigned to do that and i had on i have on occasion picked his brain about that uh a few movies that he and i watched together he explained why you know that didn't work what actual procedure was that type of thing so i in addition to reading a lot of movie uh, reading a lot of books Thinks of movies that deal with, you know, detailed assassination attempts, things of that nature. That stuff interests me. So while I appreciate that, different, you might have different security measures in an attempt to throw off, you know, a, re- a routine pattern. I appreciate that on some level. The president of France is never. <clears throat> ever going to wait for a prolonged period of time in the back of an open-air boat on an unsecured portion of the River Thames. Never. I mean, I'm not the world's greatest shot. You put me on the other side of that river, I can take that guy out. (laughs) Much less, you know, drive up a boat full of explosives. I mean, it's just so asinine. Or, you know, the the Prime Minister of Japan who got stuck in traffic on the bridge with his one bodyguard. Like, no! This is – this never happens like this because that setup never exists for a very good reason because it's stupid. I mean, you want to – okay – the Italian Prime Minister gets a private tour of Westminster Abbey with his wife. He's still got bodyguards, and more importantly, do you people have any idea the uh, the just the stupidity with which they decided that London was the city they were going to set this in? London is the most surveilled city on earth that whole sequence where they have the the different you know heads of british services and they have the they talk about their cctv cameras every freaking corner pointing every freaking direction you cannot commit a crime in london and not be tracked every step of the way They have gone to great lengths to make that. I mean, you can make – if you want to live in an Orwellian nightmare, if you're that kind of paranoid, London is it. That's the lengths to which they have gone to assure that you can't sneak in Stinger missiles (laughs) or a 300-person strike force. It just doesn't happen. Not on that scale, for a very good reason. Because there are exhaustive lengths taken to prevent it from happening. And really, I mean, more than anything else, I think, apart from the bridge collapse, which just kind of made me roll my eyes, the stupidity of those setups just rankled me. Like, no. Never. Never. Ugh. I mean, look, Gerard Butler, single-handedly knifing three guys in quick succession is a- infinitely more believable than, hey, Mister President of France, we've we're staggering your arrivals because this is a logistical nightmare. We want you to wait here. This is the most unsecured situation possible, but we want you to wait here, and everyone is going, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Ugh. Um my other – I actually have a few things I have to praise about this movie too because, again, I expected it to be terrible, and it really isn't. I got breaking news. All right. Tim
1: Burton returns
0: for the cult classic
1: Beetlejuice 2 with Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder. Uh,
0: Michael Keaton should have won an Oscar a year or so ago. He has every right to just do whatever the hell he wants right now, and Tim Burton sucks. All right. Just wanted to share that with you, seriously, Tim Burton. You've made two good movies, maybe three. <laughs>
1: right.
0: the rest not so much All
1: right. anything else you want to talk about with this movie because well, I appreciate your your you explaining how things should have worked and how the things in this movie were not really believable. I don't care about any of that <laughs> well,
0: here's what here's what surprised me about the. After that whole protracted setup, after all that stupidity, everything else is really solid. Okay. The the depiction of Stinger missiles is relatively accurate.
1: That shouldn't have been there.
0: Well, how they got them, getting them into the country is a whole different thing. That, no, never. The unlikely, it's uh, a whole thing. The depiction of how they function is relatively accurate. I seem to recall that uh, Marine Force One has more countermeasures at their disposal than simple flares, but uh, I'm willing to go with it just a little bit here. <laughs> but I mean, once you get to Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart kind of going around the city, they keep things relatively realistic. I mean, the dialogue is almost universally terrible. (laughs) But, I I mean, look, when he's disarming that one of the terrorists who was dressed as a police officer after he crushes his larynx with a board, which was great, by the way. Mm -hmm. I I love that. (laughs) Because that's how you... It's using what you have at your disposal. If you have a two-by-four, you hit somebody in the throat with it, and you move on. Right. So
1: one of the things I thought was was an interesting choice was they they really did try to set up like a, like, a, like, a, like a subplot almost, and you know one of the things that it's supposed oh, to create that
0: in this movie. Me So much.
1: <laughs> one of the things that is supposed to create tension in this movie, this subplot of there's a mole. Yeah, there's a mole, and you can't trust anybody. There's anymore. always a mole. We don't know who. And hang on. on,
0: not only is there always a mole. It's always the chief of intelligence, like really.
1: And so they introduce a character, but midway through, who's the MI uh, the MI six operative, MI five operative. Um, they go into the safe house. They meet her. She then proceeds to do next to nothing to play with a computer. When you're not watching Deron Butler blow things up, and then at the end of the movie, she shoots the bad guy. Like he saves the president and kill you know and, and kills the terrorists. And then Morgan Freeman bombs the uh, the big bad, and she shoots the mole. And you're like, uh, okay, great. <laughs> you know, the problem is... Yeah, I, they,
0: yeah. Honestly, they could have cut that whole... There's two things about that. One, they kind of needed it as an explanation, even however implausible, for some of the events, even though MI5 does not have the ability to get you police uniforms. They, the division's... Uh, of, you know, labor and oversight exist to prevent uh, any one person from being in a position to facilitate this if they're compromised.
1: Okay, who cares? Here, here's the real I problem. I care. <laughs> here's, the, here's the real problem with all of that. You don't get to, and, and keeping things in terms of, like, what makes a movie a movie and not just a, a series of stunts, you never get to really know her as a character. She, she is a plot device.
0: You, She's you know, someone you who Gerard Butler for no. whatever reason, and it is never expounded upon.
1: But well, that's my, that's where I'm going with this.
0: No, no, I, I'm agreeing with you.
1: Is you there? They It's a 90-minute movie in which they spend almost no time with this woman, and then they gave her a big ending. And you don't spend any time with this villain either. I forgot he was in the movie. That's I mean, that's my point, is I feel like they didn't have enough movie to to get to 90 minutes so they threw that in there and you can't do that you can't just at the end of the movie but here's these two characters having a you know a final it would be like you know um
0: yeah.
1: what's this, what's the name of the actor uh from specter the villain
0: uh from specter yeah oh christoph waltz like christoph
1: waltz you know i'm the author of all your pain james Except that you, he wasn't in any part of the movie prior to this. <laughs> you know, it's just like he just kind of walks on screen to, I'm the author of all your pain, and then proceeds to walk off screen again. You're like, where did that come from? It's
0: I can't almost- tell you how much I fit. You know, for as long as that movie isn't overwrought in some ways, I really mm-hmm. can't tell you how much I would have loved a flashback sequence right about then where he just explains, right. no, here's how I did it. Yeah. Instead it's, of, um, kind of throwing it out there like a salmon on the table like here giant it reminds
1: me of, you're 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 not going to go with me on this but but I'm going to say it anyway it reminds me I of heard. um I think it's the second family guy star wars movie where
0: something, they're compla- something something dark side
1: yeah where they they I think they're that's the one where they're complaining about Fox and the amount of money Wake Fox has wasted and then they have a cartoon animated uh an elephant dance across. I know, yeah, you see that? Elephant. That thing
0: cost $30,000.
1: <laughs> right. And it made no sense. It was a complete waste. That's kind of what that whole scene reminded me of. It was like, okay, I don't know who this character is or why they're in the movie or what the significance of any of this is. We've spent 99.9% of this movie following Gerard Butler around. And that's not... that. That is my problem. My, the, the, to me, the one flaw... And the only thing that matters to me in the structure of a movie is that if you're going to give characters something, you have to give you have to give the audience time to get to know those characters. And when you don't do that, it becomes just an exercise in masturbation in any scene that you that you just throw out there, you know, where the where the characters are doing stuff. You're like, okay, that was utterly meaningless.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you. Believe it or not, with this movie, if you had tacked another, say, five minutes onto this and explored both how Gerard Butler knew that character and her actual kind of hunt for who's been responsible for this, it's a half measure. You either need to give it five more minutes and let that breathe a little bit, or you need to cut it entirely.
1: You also needed to spend more time with that villain. You know, no, I look. They have this big ta da, you know, reveal moment and it's and it doesn't work and it's empty and meaningless because you spent no time with this character. So you're like, oh, he betrayed them? Great. Oh, so, I'm sorry.
0: I, I I'm sorry, I misunderstood who you were referencing with the villain. No, you're you're right. You're right in that case. You're absolutely oh, right.
1: Well I don't think we need to spend any time with the terrorists at all. <laughs> we don't need to get to know them. They they were
0: fine. <laughs> they were yeah, absolutely I, fine. I, I yeah, I misunderstood that. My apologies. No, you, okay. you're entirely right. He's a nothing character.
1: Um okay. Are we ready to to or are we ready to sort of sum this up and then get into uh numbers and rotten
0: tomato reviews? Uh I have one I have two quick things I have to praise about this movie before we do, and I'll be brief. Uh one, Gerard Butler's awesome. <laughs> and has been for some time. Uh he has a Fundamental understanding of hand-to-hand combat that allows him to contribute to these to these you know fight scenes. He knows how to hold a weapon properly. He doesn't look out of place if he happens to be toting a machine gun around, whereas other a lot of other people do. So I I appreciate him. He's one of the more believable action stars going today, and I really do appreciate that about him. Uh his knife fighting in close, you know. I mean some of this is, you know, the choreography, some of it's the direction and the appropriate cutting and editing, and I, I understand all that. But on a fundamental level, Gerard Butler looks and carries himself like he knows what he's doing in those situations. And that's purely a credit to him. There was a scene in this movie that I legitimately enjoyed uh from start to finish. When they be when Jared uh, Butler and the SAS commandos begin their assault on the building that is you know, where the terrorists are holed up, uh, it's presented as a single long uh, as a single continuous shot. Uh, they move around a lot. They do a very good job of cinematically representing what uh, urban combat looks like. How they move down the alleyways, you know, not being able to see your at op- the enemy firing. Kind of blind or at their muzzle flares, which aren't nearly that bright in real life, but that's Hollywood land, and I've I've made my peace with that one. But that whole sequence when they start that assault until he gets into the building is, I think, a really, really well done uh, action sequence. It's uh, fundamentally nearly flawless. And I was paying attention to that one because, Mark, when we reviewed uh, Deadpool, you asked me, you know, so what do you like in an action sequence? So I've been trying to pay attention to that. And I much prefer a long, readable sequence to a bunch of, sh- you know, shaky cam, quick cut edits that just make things unreadable and make me kind of want to throw up a little bit.
1: Okay. Well, that's that's a fair criticism. Um Aaron Eckhart does a great job of playing the uh do something female uh uh co- uh female partner, the uh damsel in distress the do something damsel in distress. He does a
0: great job at it. I appreciate you avoiding us being sued for copyright. <laughs> Why would we be sued for copyright? I think Ronda Rousey trademarked the whole do nothing and would probably sue us for payment.
1: Well, he's the do something.
0: I, I mean, know. I'm saying I appreciate you phrasing it as do something instead of he's not a do nothing.
1: Okay. And well in either case, he I mean it would be unfair to say that he does nothing. He shoots people, he uh he stands up to the bad guy, he you know, he he offers up his head and says, I will not bow before Zod You know, that's that's all fine. But I mean he thats that is that that is the character that he's playing, is he's the damsel in he's a damsel in distress who can stand up for herself
0: <laughs> yeah his character is much better in Olympus has fallen uh, just like okay. not even okay. close. <laughs> not this is, this, is, this is barely a character there um yeah, okay, he could have been President McGuffin and been just as accurate. <laughs>
1: So uh, I didn't get to see Zootopia. I'll be seeing it this Sunday. But apparently, Zootopia done run away with the weekend.
0: Holy cow! Yeah, you and I, uh, when we reversed the, when, when we decided to add London and push back Zootopia, uh, we we missed the uh, the hype train here. We missed the ability to be relevant when we review Zootopia.
1: <laughs> we, we're very French. Everyone goes. We're going to go to Zootopia. We're going to see London Has Fallen. How do you? How I you would think have again? rather
0: seen Zootopia personally, but well, now you can go this the Sunday when I go.
1: Um, I'm not going inc- Sunday. Incidentally, London Has Fallen had a $60 million uh, budget and it made uh, up to. I'm looking at the numbers now on BoxOfficeMojo.com, and
0: we're at uh, 25 million. Yeah, this thing's going to flop and flop hard.
1: Well, well, it's hard. Because you know, as we're going to see with the with the um, reviews, the jingoistic pro American uh, America, fuck yeah, bang bang, shoot 'em up, silly movie is passé, unfortunately. And unless you can sell it overseas, your your movie is not unless you made it on like a Gem in the holograms budget, you're not going to do very well. And so it's like, where 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 in where in the world would this Movie sell the only place it's going to sell is the United States, and and everyone went to go see Zootopia instead. So unfortunately, it just this just doesn't have the kind of legs that it needs in a modern theatrical market. You know, you can't well, put this thing
0: out. Of there's two reasons for that. One, I think they vastly overestimated the appeal that a sequel to a surprise hit might have. Uh, Olympus has fallen was. I really, it massively overperformed. I mean, nobody expected it to do what it did. And this is a movie that, if you can, if you can uh, analyze and compare and contrast the two films, uh, London has fallen suffers severely from more dinosaur syndrome. And that, I mean, even uh, Olympus Has Fallen did not play well overseas. I believe 86% of their final gross or something like that came from the United States. Right. Here we just – again, I think they pushed the jingoism a bit too far.
1: Not far enough.
0: They didn't frame it properly.
1: It was no framing.
0: I, I know. and They marketed it poorly and it feels like a blatant cash grab because it is because you had a successful movie that kind of came out of left field with a relatively low budget a solid director in, Anto- in uh, Antoine Fuqua who directed the uh who directed Olympus Has Fallen if Memory Serves and he has a very Fuqua has a very good handle on action movies and you just Decided that okay, why was it successful? Well, it had this cast. All right, get them back. Well, right. what? Okay, it was uh, people compared it to Die Hard. Okay, what's another '80s movies people love. Well, people like Commando. Good, do that. Well, we want to write. We need. We need some charac. Nope, no characters.
1: <laughs> we're bringing
0: them back. No one needs new characters. No new. No, no development. Well, okay, we're gonna. Okay, here, here's the dialogue we want to.
1: Who do white dialogue people hate. want to
0: put in there? And, nope. More profanity, more rah-rah America, and less sense. And who do white people hate? Well, they hate the Arabs. Great. They're the
1: bad guys. Coming in second, London has fallen, performed just as expected, bringing in 21.7 million to go along with an A-minus cinema score. London's predecessor, Olympus, has fallen.
0: That's fallen, Olympus, I think. Uh, uh, an A- the, A- the, minus the cinema C- score for London has fallen, I believe, has dropped since that uh, went into uh, wide release.
1: Uh, did bear better with the critics, well which make which will make London's run one to keep an eye on. Olympus enjoyed a three point twenty five multiplier turning a thirty point three million opening into an overall ninety point nine million domestic run. Can London follow the same course and finish around seventy million domestically? Or will it play similar to White House down and finish around
0: sixty to sixty two million? Screw that movie so hard. <laughs> All right.
1: So let's uh let's move White on. House.
0: Dad. Hey look, here's uh, Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx screwing around for ninety minutes. No, you bunch of idiots. Who thought so, that was a good idea?
1: So a sixty million dollar budget on this one. Um obviously it's gotta make around a hundred and twenty million for this thing to be profitable. We'll see. I don't think it's gonna make I don't think it's gonna do really what, what it needs to do in theaters. I think this is gonna be one of those where it makes all its money and on demand, you know, people will watch it at home. You know, who the hell, who other than me wants to be seen in the movies publicly watching this thing? Um, so that being said, uh, yeah, Zootopia just crushed everything in its path. We'll we'll talk more about that. Close. We'll talk more about that next week uh, when we'll have two weeks worth of numbers. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> play the theme music. Here comes my favorite part of the podcast. What did the rotten, rotten tomato critics say? We only read the rotten reviews, folks, because they're hilarious.
0: Well, to be fair, if we think a movie is just ass, and we're going to find one of those eventually, I want you to find the positive reviews so we can still have the same basic reaction to them. Okay, sure. Um, All right, so this is Kyle Anderson. This is also known as the portion of the show where I bang my head against the desk until either I pass out or it breaks.
1: So I'm only going to read a few of these because I don't want Robert Winfrey to be taken to the hospital.
0: Uh, Kyle, They know me over there.
1: Kyle Anderson of Nerdist. I just can't help thinking the makers of this movie didn't realize Team America World Police was a satire.
0: There's some truth to that.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I'll allow okay. that one.
1: Jonathan Sanchez from Cinema Moviel. Uh Full review in Spanish. Another generic action film that doesn't add anything to the genre. You, sir, have missed the
0: point. Entirely. <sighs> Why is it that with everything else in the world, we don't – we mock those who needlessly try to reinvent the wheel? But when it comes to television or movies, boy, you've got to be subversive and you've got to be satirical and you've got to contribute something. Give us a new take on the genre, sir. Otherwise, how dare you – it's the good name of cinema with this uncouth display. No, you bunch of <laughs> – well, Guys, action movies aren't – they can be made well. They can be made intelligently and with great writing, and they can be thought-provoking. And those type of action movies are few and far between because it takes a very deft hand to do it properly. It ain't Shakespeare in the park. But if you're going to air in an action movie, air on the side of more things, more people dying and more things being blown up, than on the side of, well, we need a 30 minute sequence where, you know, these guys try to act. And I'm not saying they're bad actors, but that is out of place in this type of movie. Why try and reinvent the wheel? And I'm criticizing them for things that I feel could have been added easily because I know they did in the first one. If this is if this was a movie standing on its own, I would many of the criticisms would still be there, but they're lessened because well I haven't already seen that be successful. I have already seen again this same cast, a same desire to create an action movie and they did it much better and in this case They went more dinosaurs instead of looking at what actually made it successful.
1: Christian Halob of
0: Entertainment Weekly,
1: top critic. By casting its villain as a suspiciously ISIS-like Middle Eastern terrorist network, London has fallen, makes itself into a political movie, but its politics are in it. And it's Robert Winfrey. It's politics. Did you know this was a political movie? Did you know that this was a commentary on the state of uh, the world, the war on terror? Did you know that, Robert Winfrey?
0: That sound you all may have just heard was a minor aneurysm erupting behind my left eye. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs>
1: hey, let me follow this that up. This is
0: not a political movie. The goal is not to illuminate the state of the world or make a commentary about. To all you people claiming this movie is anti-Islamic, it is anti-terrorist, which I support, by the way. Actually, I don't like terrorists. Well, hang on, it's
1: just a movie. No, 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 no. Hang on, no, 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 no. It's just a movie. It's not anti anything. It's not political. It's not saying something about the state of the world or the state of man. It's a movie where a man runs around with a gun and shoots lots of people after a city blows up. That's it. That's the movie, folks. There's nothing being said about the state of the world. Nothing. And the fact that some of these reviewers went out of their way to assume that it did means they missed the point of the movie and shouldn't be reviewing them.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, if you're going to call this anything, I mean, like you said, I don't even think anti-terrorist is necessarily an appropriate moniker. Who
1: the fuck are the villains supposed to be? Well, no, the the synopsis.
0: No, no, I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. Um, But I'm really angry about this sort of thing because I'm
1: getting tired of the – everyone complains about the villains, okay? This really should be your bag. You should do a show on this because that was your podcast for a while. But I I get so angry because, you know, the villains can't be commies anymore. The villains can't be blacks. The villains can't be white Europeans because we've done that one to death. The villains can't be this. The villains can't be that. Who the fuck are we supposed to shoot? I don't understand what people want out of these movies anymore when you decide to do an action film. It's a real simple thing. You have a hero, and you have a villain. And every time the villain is kind of an archetype or anything that isn't literally uh, like a white southerner, I think that's about the only thing left that people don't criticize. And I don't know how many action movies these days have white southerners in them.
0: Uh, There was one called Homefront starring Jason Statham where James Franco played a southern (laughs) villain. You asked, I answered. <laughs> this, this, this is so aggravating.
1: Like, oh, they, you know, why do they is. have to use pirates? The because they're fucking out there. That's why. That's the movie. All right, I'm
0: getting yeah. off mic. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I completely agree with you. Like, no, understand something here, people. And I really want you to fundamentally grasp this because it's important for your mental health and for mine if we ever happen to interact. In this instance, the bad guys are terrorists. That's the sum total of their character.
1: <laughs> Islamic terrorists.
0: That, that's not even necessarily explicitly stated.
1: No, it's, it's implied.
0: They're at a Hindu wedding in the beginning of this thing, if memory serves. Not an Islamic wedding.
1: I don't think the director knew the difference.
0: I'm aware of that. That's part of the point. <laughs> There is nothing here except these are bad people who wish to blow stuff up and kill world leaders and profit from our misery. Nothing else about them is relevant to a movie like this. Nothing else about them is contributing to the cultural zeitgeist. If you're one of these pretentious douchebags who thinks that every movie, every television is somehow being subversive to the plight of whatever minority, you're a bunch of idiots.
1: Yeah, okay. can I finish reading these? Because
0: we, we got to move this along. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, I re- you kind of wound me up a little bit there, and I just had to get that off my chest. And guys, out there, if this if you're going to see just an action movie, the villains only have to have a concise motivation. Nothing else about them is necessarily relevant. I mean, would you have all? Would you all feel better if instead of. Uh, a weapon, you know, an arms dealing guy from, oh, he's in the Punjab region of Pakistan, if memory. So, Indians, actually, depending on how you view various areas of Pakistan. Would you rather it was a Congolese warlord so they could all be French speaking Africans?
1: No, they'd rather, mean, be
0: white, they'd
1: rather be American white southerners. Ugh,
0: it, which is, it's
1: just stupid. Here, here let's just make everybody happy from now on the villains will all be evangelical Christians that seems to be a group people you know people want to hate <laughs> so this comes from Consequ- Randall Colburn from Consequence of Sound London has fallen as terrorism porn an alarmist jingoistic piece of CGI soaked garbage that employs its audience to fear nothing after sensationalizing the slaughter of innocents and the destruction of a major city
0: ugh Really he didn't like the picture. I mean, look. You want to say that it's, you know, alarmist and jingoistic? I can kind of buy that. But the rest of that, I don't feel is valid.
1: All right, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read one last one here, and then we'll uh, we'll sum up and get into plugs. This is Mike Ryan of Up Rocks. It's the perfect movie for
0: Trump's America that is so fundamentally inaccurate. Donald Trump would never go to a foreign funeral. <laughs> all right. I think
1: uh wow. We were having so much fun and then all and then all of a sudden you and I just started screaming. <laughs> Not at each other even.
0: Just, no, like, just the general state of like criticism and people being idiots about this. Just like, gah.
1: One of my friends asked me earlier like we were, we were half joking around about it, you know. He was saying things he was saying things like why didn't I buy Disney? And I was like, Oh, they kept it a secret. I had four billion dollars waiting to buy it. But you know, we were—I um, can't remember how it got started. I have to go. I have to go back and look at my Google Hangout. But he, but I was saying, Oh, I'm building my brand. We we're talking about the podcast and everything. And he was, and I said, I'm building my brand. I'm, I'm building it up. He's like, Can you in ten words uh, tell me what your brand is and about? And I was like, Oh, you know, we review cult. We review the news and culture. We criticize the, you know, the news and culture. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of big. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of room for growth in there. Um, but I think, I think more than anything else, the thing that separates us from a lot of other people, you know, the millions and billions and zillions of people on YouTube and other podcasts that do film review or anything review, is that we are also taking time out to criticize the criticizers. You know, we criticize the critics. And I don't see a lot of that anywhere. You know, we're we're looking at the world of criticism and saying, no, this is wrong. You people don't get it. So, just, just an aside, something that makes something that makes the Rattles and broadcasting network maybe a little different than the millions and billions and billions of uh, other podcasts and YouTube shows. Yeah,
0: if nothing else, skip to the last segment of this show, and you can hear me verbally lash out at other critics for being stupid. <laughs> right. Where else are you You're not going to
1: get that at Screen Junkies.
0: Um, no, they have to play nice with each other.
1: They do. I, I I owe no such allegiances. They don't Anyways, pay us yet. No. Alright. Um so overall look if you are if if you are a guy who likes movies and you're looking for a movie for guys who like movies, then this is your kind of movie. And that's what I have to say about it.
0: Yeah, this is if you liked Olympus has fallen, you'll probably enjoy this even though it's again kind of a lesser imitation but it again i went into this thinking it would be crap and it was surprisingly passable (laughs) it was
1: it was just enough not crap
0: it exceeded my expectations uh on again many many i didn't expect there to be a single action sequence or set piece or whatnot that i could come out of this praising and i wound up with a couple of them
1: yeah I, i mean look i know you hate you hate the cgi and all that but i thought you know the the stuff. You know the, the the sequence where London actually falls was fine. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching stuff blow up. You know, it kind of brought me back to when I saw Independence Day, and you know, and it was the same shot over and over bet. and over again. But you know, it was just the one laser coming down and then a giant explosion. Um, I mean, when you when you think back to Independence Day, like oh, they blow up the White House, they blow up to this, they blow up to that. Nope, same shot over and over and over again. They just they just replace the building. Um, you know it but it brought me back to the sort of anticipation that <sighs> there are certain movies where you know you're on the edge of your seat and you know and you're there to watch the thing go boom sorry i'm laughing yeah, because I'm laughing because my son has once again decided that he didn't need his diaper when he was sleeping thank
0: you. all righty then. <laughs> hey you. you must know, be if if they can find a way to adequately dub the excessive profanity in this movie, this will be a great cable TV movie.
1: Well, if they can if if they can dub the uh, if
0: they can dub the uh... Hi! Snakes on a Plane is where you're going, I'm assuming. Say what? I'm assuming you're going to if they can dub Snakes on a Plane. (laughs) Hey, you want to be on the podcast? What did you think of London as Fallen? Please start crying. Please start crying. Please start crying. <laughs>
1: you want to watch London Has Fallen with me?
0: Do not show your toddler that movie.
1: <laughs> you want to watch Snakes on a Plane?
0: Do not show your toddler that movie. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you want yeah. to watch Rambo? Yeah. More acceptable. Show him Roadhouse.
1: <laughs> you want to watch
0: Roadhouse? There we go. What did you think? <laughs> Hold on. John was giving his super. <laughs>
1: first blood uh oh he, i'm getting a suggestion from the guest that we're having this this weekend that i should show my son first blood which is the ultimate you know sylvester stallone making a retard face firing a machine gun that that folks, is fundamentally it, untrue it's no it is true at the very end of he the
0: movie only, yeah but it's one sequence at the end of the movie and that fundamentally ignores the premise of that film and why it succeeds that that is the but, I'm sorry. That's the climax of that movie.
1: That is what everything is building towards. Is Sylvester Stallone making a restart face, shooting a machine gun into the
0: air while screaming? No, that's much more what First Blood Part Two is. But uh, I don't have time for this.
1: We'll, we'll, well, I just, I just don't. I don't, I don't, I don't have time for you right now, Winfrey.
0: Don't have time for my, you know thoughts in my analysis and <laughs> I just want to watch Sylvester Stallone shoot things don't point out that there's a grand total of one fatality in First Blood
1: that's not the point the point one. is that the point is he suddenly loses sensation in his jaw like he's at the dentist and fires a machine gun into the air while screaming that is ultimately you know, the best part of you know that the First original
0: Blood. cut of First Blood was actually nearly, was closer to two hours yeah, it was actually it like 30 minutes longer
1: they left a lot on the table with First Blood. We talked about that on Long Road to Ruin as a matter of fact. But all yeah, right, let's Stallone
0: go No, Stallone insisted on it because he uh he actually did a lot of the editing for that and cut out like eighty percent of his dialogue because it felt <laughs> it ruins the movie.
1: Well, he he tended to talk with marbles in his mouth. Alright. So that's our that's our review of London Has Fallen and our <laughs> and all the yelling that went with it. Um, we really do like each other, folks. It's, 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 you know, we get along. Believe it or not. Uh, oh yeah, tomorrow, frequently. <laughs> tomorrow night, uh, Metal Hammer of Doom is back. We'll be doing our annual cover show. Jesse Starcher will be joining us. Fun will be had by all. Hilarity will ensue. On uh, Friday, the new kit, the new K- Killswitch Engage comes out. If you're a fan of Killswitch Engage, go pick that up. It's called Incarnate.
0: Um, and then walk in front of a bus. Shut up, you. Um, Sorry, I don't care for kill switch engage. A shock. Stop supporting them. Um
1: on Monday, March fourteenth, I will be on source material with Jesse Starcher and Long Road to Ruin Superfan and contributor Andrew Graham. We will be uh talking about Superman Earth One uh as we are building towards Batman vs. Superman. It's all it's all D C all the time around here on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network for the month of March. On Tuesday, we're, we're dropping a special episode of the Metal Hammer of Doom. Uh, this past Tuesday, my wife and I did the Country ju- Country Washboard of Jubilation. Uh, this Tuesday, we'll be doing a Robert Cooper's Choice Metal Hammer of Doom, Destroyer 666, uh, Wildfire, I believe it's called. Uh, Robert Winfrey and I will be back this Wednesday, a week from tonight, to review Zootopia, which I'm sure will be number one again this weekend, and then Long and Anything else ruin- coming out? Um, are you near a computer?
0: I can look. Hang on. Well, you do that while I do plugs.
1: Um, this <laughs> a week from tomorrow is Long Road to Ruin, Madagascar, Afro Circus, Afro Afro Circus Circus. Um, this uh, Friday, March 18th, the new season of Daredevil drops on Netflix. And we'll be reviewing it the following week, that Wednesday, as a matter of fact. Robert Winfrey and I will do two hours on the new Daredevil. And that brings Uh, us to, hang on, March 24th, our In Defense of Man of Steel podcast. Robert Winfrey and I will uh, attempt to explain why the movie is not total shite and why it is an underappreciated
0: gem on Friday. yeah, I'm not sure I'd go that far. If you want that, if you want to have that discussion, I have a brother who swears up and down it's the best Superman movie ever, and I just well,
1: well easy doesn't now. Um, on Friday uh, again,
0: we'll... I'm just uh,
1: but on Friday, March 25th, the new Amada Mark comes out. Uh, Gavin from the Casual Heroes and his uh, little brother, Pat, little little buddy Pat, will be doing their case against Man of Steel, and of course, Batman vs Superman will be coming out. I'll be seeing it. Uh, the week after that, we'll be reviewing Batman vs. Superman on March 30th. Then Long Hear Road me lampoon
0: Ru- Ben Affleck and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Will you stop? Um,
1: on Thursday, March 31st, Long Road to Ruin returns with the Dark Knight animated series, uh, the two movies, rather. Dark Knight animated return, the Dark Knight returns, rather, animated movies, both of them. And then on April 1st, the new Baby Metal comes out. We'll review it the following week, and I will be on a plane to Dallas for WrestleMania. So that's everything in the month of March, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now Are what you comes sure out? you still
0: want to go see this WrestleMania? Because it's just going to be three hours of blowjobs for Roman Reigns.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar promises to be fun, and I like the Shane McMahon
0: Undertaker match. Fair enough. I've already got the tickets. What am I supposed to do? sell them out of sell them for a profit
1: <laughs> All right, so what's coming out against Utopia's uh possible
0: second week of uh being the number one movie? Oh, nothing. Uh the, the two major releases are 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is going to appeal to a smaller demographic and The Brothers Grimsby, which is a, the latest R-rated live action. Uh this is actually an action comedy from Sasha Baron Cohen. And I think of, appeals to an entirely different people. demographic.
1: I was gonna say I think both of which got decent Rotten Tomato scores. I'll double check that. I know, um, I know, Ten Cloverfield Lane did. Now, is that an actual Cloverfield sequel, or are they not the same? No one thing? knows. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, here we go. Yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane is currently 94% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And that will drop uh, as more people see it. Uh, the Brothers Grimsby is currently sitting at 53%. So there you go. Uh, by by the way, Zootopia, 99% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And London has fallen 26%. Not Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, who less people saw, still got a higher Rotten Tomatoes score. So
0: Allow me to explain why. No. No, no, I can do this very briefly. Because all of those pseudo-intellectual liberal douchebags Think Tina Fey is the height of hilarity. Not being liberal, not being a douchebag, or being a woman over the age of 50, I find Tina Fey to be relatively off putting.
1: So, the Divergent series Allegiant, uh, which comes out March 18th, currently has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Because no not one's uns- reviewed it.
1: Not unscored. No. <laughs> Hang on.
0: I, I, I'm
1: going to. There are 11 reviews, all of which yeah. are
0: rotten. I'm, it's too far out for me to care too much about those. March 18? August is too far out. Wait, seriously? It's that... Huh? I thought yeah. it was further out. All right. Okay. Uh now that what series uh, went off the rails real quick. Yeah, it did. Um, real like, quick. Like, hey, let's adapt this.
1: That was a mistake. One last plug here. Uh, This Friday and Saturday is a double dose of the Every Joe podcast featuring uh, former freak boy John Broad again. Uh, First will be their discussion of hashtag never Trump. And then the second one. What is the second one? What did I send you?
0: Oh, I still have it. It is. Scroll up. Uh, Goodbye, Rubio. There we go. So it's
1: there. It's their wrap-up of uh, last night's super-duper Tuesday primary, where Trump won.
0: Can I just very briefly explain that all you idiots who don't like Trump because Twitter doesn't like Trump, I'm not the biggest Trump supporter in the world, but if the sum total of your knowledge about him and what he's trying, what he says he'll accomplish, etc., is, well, Twitter doesn't like him, you're a freaking idiot. Do some actual research and not look up the top-trending hashtags. Twitter is not that powerful. Okay,
1: terrific. You got anything you're going to plug in, sir?
0: Well, you can follow me on Twitter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it, that's it.
0: Sorry. No, that's it. Um, For those of you who are fans of Mixed Martial Arts, last Sunday, as – Pretty much every Sunday, I host the four one one Ground and Pound radio show. I was uh, last. Two. You were. You talked about the only two fights on that card that didn't, uh, you know, kind of suck.
1: Oh, what did Jeff say after I said the only the big star of that fight was Misha Tate, Tate's
0: boobs? Mm, nothing. Okay. He tends to we just kind of eight. moved on to being depressed about the rest of the card. Well, uh, look, uh, hang on one second. Melissa, yeah. come here. Is this going to serve any purpose? Good job. I don't care. This is more important. I'm having an affair. <laughs> he resents that. Um, I was really close. hoping he would have just come back again with "I don't care," there, but you clearly <laughs> caught him off guard. Um, no, I'm, pr- I'm
1: trying to, I'm trying to set this up a little bit better than than just kind of blah. But uh, we were talking, we were talking about like the best part of the Misha Tate Holly Holm fight. What was the best part of the Misha Tate Holly Holm? Oh, fight?
0: Misha Tate and her cupcake. Yeah, that's a woman saying that, everyone. <laughs> those are some good cupcakes right there, man. She means this, ladies and gentlemen. You know, if she had those implants removed, she could probably fight at 115. Those aren't implants. Oh no, they got noticeably. What? There's a de- there's a demonstrable point in time where you can see them get bigger. But they move too well. So look, if those are fake. Then I want her plastic surgeon because those are amazing. You
1: don't need bigger tits. I no, but
0: maybe they can give me smaller ones.
1: That's un, that's not necessary. Anyway, but those were gorgeous. <laughs> I would just like to say that all the women in my house watching the last UFC pay per view were talking about nothing else but Misha Tate's boobs. That's so true. I stand on a pedestal of truth when I say the biggest star of that fight were her were her were her boobies because I had a whole room full of women telling me that. Right, Melissa? Yes. Melissa, did you have fun on last night's podcast? I did. What did we we review? Sister Hazel. What's Sister Hazel? Lights
0: Side of the Dark.
1: Great. You're relatively useless. Get out of here. No, what was I supposed to say?
0: You're
1: a a little more enthusiasm. Like, you know you I couldn't remember the title of the album. I know. It's totally
0: useless. Get out of here. I'm going back to many other... Can I have the last five minutes of my life back, please? (laughs) No, but you can have the next five minutes. Go. Uh, All right. This coming Sunday, also on the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, uh, which I host, again, Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Jeff Harris and I will be previewing UFC Fight Night 85.
1: We'll be talking about boobs again.
0: Well, in this case, it's Frank Mir and Mark Hunt, so they're measurably larger than Misha Tate's.
1: That is is very true. But real real quick aside— I'm in the latest 411 Mania, um, Factor Fiction, and this is their March Madness tournament. And uh, go there, read it. If you like what you see, vote for me. Um, I'm allowed to do that, right? Yeah. I'm allowed to say yeah, if you
0: like me. Okay. You're supposed to encourage people to read and vote for who they think won instead of just saying, go there, vote for me. It's just, Okay, yeah. and I did do that. Okay, good. You did. You're fine. Uh, you're completely fine.
1: So we were talking about Nate Diaz and Kenny Calls on Josh, and I actually suggested that maybe one of the fights they should make is Nate Diaz versus GSP. And what do you know? BJPenn.com says one of the fights uh, Marisa Hobby is trying to get is GSP versus Nate Diaz.
0: Ladies well, and sure, gentlemen, it's an easy win for GSP. Ladies and gentlemen, I call it.
1: It happens. I am the truth-sayer.
0: Same. Easy win for GSP if he wants a comeback fight. Easy win.
1: Right. Finish your plugs.
0: All right, I will be appearing in the 411 Mania MMA Fiction Tournament. Um, I think I am I go on next week, early next week or late this week, so be on the lookout for that. I'm taking on Alex Rella, so I'm most likely going out in the first round.
1: <laughs> Jesus. What? <laughs> Believe in yourself. By the way, Shogun's injured again.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Rashad Evans is now going to be knocked out by Glover Teixeira. Oh, I hope so. Uh, yes. Look, it's just facts uh, how, as I see them. I mean, I'm going to do my best effort. I'm just – if I'm laying money in this, it's not necessarily on me in that first round. <laughs> okay. All right. So be on the lookout for all of that. Uh on the 19th, I will have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 85 over in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. Stop by, say hello. I appreciate it. Uh, that's it for us. Again, Mark and I will be back next week to review Zootopia. A week late, a couple dollars short, but darn it, we're going to try. And I think that's it. I, that's all we've got. So, for Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey. We're leaving you with the same song that every Hollywood executive falls asleep to. It is on a Constant loop in their head, and until next time, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.